Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. How many of you have ever stumbled? We all have, haven't we? Uh, From the time that we're little, first learning to walk. Uh, We have at times taken some steps that are less than sure-footed. And for each of us, this has sometimes resulted in things like some bruises of various uh, degrees of severity. For some unfortunate folks, it's resulted even in broken bones. I recall even officiating uh, at a funeral once for someone who stumbled on a stair landing at a friend's house and and fell backwards down the stairway and, and died. Stumbling physically can have some serious consequences. Stumbling spiritually can even more so. Wouldn't it be great if, if someone would tell us of some way to keep from ever again physically stumbling? Maybe it would be uh, having some very sure-footed person walking alongside us all the time and holding on to us or something. I don't know. But as we think about this business of stumbling, I mean, we look at these last two verses of the book of Jude. And Jude tells us of someone who is able to keep us from stumbling spiritually. I invite you to look with me at, at Jude, verses 24 and 25, and please stand in reverence to God's word as I read. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Lord God, we thank you for the book of Jude, for the things we've been learning as we have spent time in that last couple weeks, Lord. And and now thank you for this this word to us of encouragement at the end. Uh, Speak to each of our hearts, Lord, and draw us to yourself. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. These uh, last two verses of Jude have sometimes been read as a benediction of sorts. They are actually more of a doxology than a benediction. So what's the difference? Well, a doxology is a declaration that that ascribes glory or praise to God. And a benediction is is usually a blessing that one prays or, or declares that God would give to another person. Or you might think of it this way, a doxology goes up to God, while benediction comes down from God. A doxology to God praises him, a benediction from God blesses us. So we have a doxology here, a statement of praise to God for his attributes, for who he is, and also then declaring what he deserves from us. And notice this doxology or statement of praise is to the only God. This God is the one and only. There is no other God of some other religion that deserves some kind of praise like this because there really is no other God at all. There's only one 
true God, the Almighty God, creator of the universe, and, and who is also then the one who sent his only son to this earth in the form of human flesh in, in order that he might save fallen humanity from themselves. And, and Jude declares here then concerning him what the only God deserves and, and really already has. Lenski says Jude's words here in verse 25 are a grand exclamatory acknowledgement and confession. Jude is exclaiming here with, with, with four words the utter awesomeness of God and also then what God deserves from us humans. Verse 25, to the only God, then it says, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. So let's unpack those four words. First of all, glory. Glory is the sum of all of the divine attributes of God described as, as radiating uh, or shining forth. In the Old Testament times, there were some rare times when, when God would actually give someone a partial glimpse of his glory. For instance, Moses, when he was receiving the Ten Commandments for the second time up there on Mount Sinai, he was allowed to just barely see God's backside for a moment. And when Moses came down from the mountain, his face glowed so brightly that the people were scared of him, so much so that he put a veil over his face for a time. Later on, we're told about when, when they erected a tabernacle there in the wilderness to worship God, uh, the, the glory of God filled that tabernacle, and a thick cloud was over it by day, and fire in it at night. Later on still, when we read of King Solomon having completed the building of this magnificent temple there at Jerusalem, fire came down from heaven and it consumed the burnt offering. And the glory of God filled that temple in the form of a thick cloud so that the priests couldn't even enter the temple for a time. When we look in the New Testament, we are told about three of Jesus' disciples and how they caught a glimpse of his glory when they were up there on the Mount of Transfiguration and it was so awesome that they never forgot it. God's glory is so awesome that it's beyond our comprehension and catching even a glimpse of it would be overwhelming for us. Now the word majesty. We in our country are not very familiar with the concept of a king that's an absolute ruler and whose word then is, is the rule of the land. But that's just the beginning of understanding about God. He is the king. He is the absolute ruler of the whole universe. And how are kings appropriately addressed? Your majesty, right? Majesty describes God's greatness. A greatness that goes far beyond that of any earthly king or ruler, a greatness beyond anything that we can imagine. Then you have these words dominion and authority. They, they seem very similar to me, but I believe that dominion really emphasizes the power to rule, and, and authority focuses on the right to rule. And, and so what we are recognizing then about God is that because of who he is, he has the eternal right to rule over all things, and he possesses the power to do so. And his glory is beyond human eyes to be able to stand to see, and his majesty is greater than anything that we can imagine. 
How has he demonstrated his glory, majesty, dominion, and authority to us? Well, in many ways, if we just look around us at creation, we see some of that. Um, his awesome abilities there. Um, as was mentioned, the awesome sunrises and sunsets we've seen uh, recently. How about that wind last night? Dominion and power there, right? But ultimately, how he's shown himself in all of those things, his glory, majesty, dominion, and authority to us is by, uh, by being our Savior. By implementing a, a great rescue operation for mankind. So verse 25, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. Well, how did the one and only God save us? It was through his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So as we think about what we are saying even with, with who we call him to be, Jesus, the name Jesus comes from the Hebrew name Yeshua, which literally means God is salvation. And from the very beginning, when, when God created the world and he gave breath and instructions to Adam and Eve, um, he knew that they would rebel, that they would sin against him and incur then the, the consequences of death and hell, and, and that so would every other descendant after them. But the God who is salvation had a plan. To save mankind. And so he promised Adam and Eve a Messiah would come and would rescue them and their offspring from the judgment that they deserved. And then throughout the Old Testament days, God continued to promise that one day a Messiah would come. Christ. Jesus is often called Christ. And it's because, you see, the name Christ actually comes from the Greek word Christos, meaning anointed one or the promised Messiah. Jesus was that Messiah that God had promised for centuries. We also refer to him as our Lord. Why? Well, because we recognize that he is not just a mere man, but, but he was the Son of God who, who willingly laid down his life for us, who, who voluntarily incurred on himself as he died on the cross the wrath of God that we, that we sinners deserved. I, I like how it is described in Isaiah chapter 53, Verse 6, where it says, All of us like sheep have gone astray. We have each turned to our own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. You see, for all who believe in Jesus as the promised Messiah, all who personally admit their sins and believe in Jesus as their Savior, all of their sins and, and their guilt are transferred over to Jesus' account, and his perfect righteousness is credited to our account. But Jesus died on the cross, but he didn't stay dead. After three days, he who has all dominion and authority bodily rose from the dead. And he ascended into heaven, and he will one day again then come to judge the living and the dead. And those who continue to believe in Jesus as their Savior will be rewarded with eternal life in the presence of their Savior. But those who drift away from that belief those who choose to believe in their own righteousness. Instead, they will face eternal damnation apart from God forever. Throughout this letter, Jude has been warning us of the very real danger of being deceived by the devil and being led astray. Danger that might even come in the form of people who would call themselves Christians but really aren't. 
people that are worldly-minded and living to satisfy their own ungodly passions, people who don't have a personal living faith in Jesus as their Savior from sin, and don't have the Holy Spirit then living within them. And Judas been warning us here, then be on the alert for such folk. And don't be led astray from your Christian faith by them. And he's told us that these folks can be sneaky, and their ideas and their beliefs can seem rather appealing. They might say things like, you know, everyone except really bad people will go to heaven, right? They, they might tell church people, you're, you were baptized and confirmed at that church, so of course you're secure. You don't really need to go to church or read your Bible at this stage of life. You're, you're really too busy for that right now. You'll have plenty of time for that when you're old. Or you, you can live any way you want. Um, everyone sows a little wild oats in their youth, right? So just have fun. And you know, if you listen to those things, if you listen to those messages from such, you, you might end up where you never planned to go. I'm reminded of a true story I read about it was last year around this time. Uh, there, there was a guy who, who had planned to go on a vacation last January to Australia. He was really looking forward to going there, seeing things like kangaroos he'd never seen before in a while. And in the process, though, of booking his flight, he got the airport codes switched around. And he mistakenly booked a flight to the wrong Sydney. He ended up in Montana. <laughs> this is true. You see, the code for Sydney, Australia is SYD, and the one for Sydney, Montana is SDY. See how that would happen? He might have spared himself arriving at the wrong destination if he had gotten some assistance, maybe somebody double-checking those details with him. Well, we who call ourselves Christians and, and who want to end up in heaven someday have a bit of a similar need. By ourselves, we are bound to get some of the details mixed up and end up where we didn't want to go. The devil is out to deceive us about the details for this life and for eternity. And he has people on the ground that are teaching wrong information. And some of them are teaching false doctrine. Some of them are just encouraging people, you don't really need church, you, you can just have your own personal religion. Some of them are sowing seeds of doubt about the Bible. And Jude has been warning us about them. But in these last two verses here, he's telling us we have help that's available to us. We, we don't need to live in constant fear of falling away and going lost because God is able to do something great for us. What's he able to do for us who are believers in Jesus Christ? God is able to, to prevent you from something and he's able to present you to someone. What's he able to prevent you from? He's able to keep you from stumbling. And the word here literally translated without stumbling is a word that was used to describe a sure-footed horse. God is able to make you sure-footed spiritually. He's able to keep you from moral lapses and from following wrong teaching. He has given all true believers in Jesus Christ his indwelling Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is able to keep you in the faith. And he works through the written word of God. However, 
If you cut yourself off from reading God's word and hearing it preached and talking about it with other believers, then you are in danger of falling away, ending up maybe believing some of the lies of Satan, and even going lost and ending up then at the wrong eternal destination. But God is able to keep you and I from stumbling if we'll just cooperate with his indwelling Holy Spirit and allow him then to continue to speak to our hearts through the word of God. Besides preventing you then from stumbling, what else does Jude say here that God is able to do for believers in Jesus Christ? He is able to present you to someone. He says here he is able to make you stand in the presence of his glory. Another translation says, to set you before the glory of him. Now remember what we said earlier about the awesome glory of God and, and how he is so holy and his glory is so brilliant that even Moses could just barely look on him for a moment? Sinners cannot stand in the presence of a holy God. And yet Jude is telling us here that, that God is able to make us sinners stand in the presence of his glory. Jude is pointing ahead to that time when our Lord Jesus Christ, who has all dominion and authority, returns to this earth and ushers in then judgment day. And on that day, then God will present all true believers in Jesus Christ as their Savior before the judge. And though every one of us will stand there knowing that we are guilty and we deserve eternal punishment, yet Jude reminds us here that, that we will be presented as blameless, as unblemished because we stand there not in our own righteousness but in the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. And what an amazing thing that is then to anticipate. And when it occurs here Jude tells us that we will stand there with great joy. With exaltation. Jubilation of God's chosen as we are experiencing the victory. I think of the victory celebrations we sometimes see, you know, for instance, with the NFL or college football team when they win an important game, and all this jumping around and hugging each other and throwing buckets of water on their coach, and reporters interviewing the key players, and, and they then give glory to others of the teammates for this great team effort. Those victory celebrations will be nothing compared to this one of the saints in heaven. And all glory will go not to any of us, but to the one that got us there, Jesus Christ. Well, how long does God the Father and his Son deserve this glory, majesty, dominion, and authority? Jude says here, to this God be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority for how long? A day or two? You know, when, when someone here on this earth does something kind of spectacular, which probably isn't that often, um, but, you know, we have a few things that we celebrate in our lives. For instance, uh, one of them, um, one of us here, Clay Rasmussen here, graduated from college, right, just uh, in December, uh, and, and he deserved some recognition for a day or two. Um, as I understood, it, that's what happened. Um, you, you got to wear cap and gown, right, and... and uh, Get the, your moment in the spotlight and some pictures with the family taken afterwards and, and then even I uh, got to go out to a nice restaurant um, in, in your honor after that. Then all the hoopla was over. 
and is back to work on a part-time job and exploring options for the future of something full-time. But what Jude is saying here about God is that he deserves way more recognition than that. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now, and forever. Another translation says, before all of the eon, and now, and for all of the eons. Now, an, an, an eon is an indefinitely long period of time. And, and Judas saying here then, to God be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority, before all time, that's before time even began, he had all glory, majesty, dominion, and authority then, and he deserved it then. He deserves it now, currently today, and for an infinitely long time ever after today, for eons upon eons after today, that is for all eternity. And we who know the Savior will then enjoy eternal bliss and will sing his praises forever. And then he ends with this, amen. Translated, transliterated Hebrew word here means truth. Amen at the end of a statement is a stamp of the author's conviction of belief regarding the statement that he just made. And Jude is telling us, this that I've just told you is truth. Let it be so forever. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for the encouragement of your word today. Thank you that though we each have stumbled, not only physically, but, but spiritually, uh, we, we have slipped and fallen into sin, yet that stumbling is not a permanent thing because you've picked us up, you've rescued us, you've provided a way that there's forgiveness for all of our failures, for all of our sins, in your son Jesus Christ, and we thank you for that. And, and Lord, if there be somebody here today who has no assurance in their heart that things are right with you here and now because of Jesus, who has no assurance that someday they will be there in glory, uh, I pray that you would convict of sin where that is needed, that you would show them also that there is forgiveness when we are willing to admit our sin and trust in Jesus. We thank you for what he accomplished for us on the cross and his resurrection, and that someday he will return. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to live in a relationship with you, that your Holy Spirit would continue to speak to our hearts through your word, and Lord, that we would be gathering with others, strengthen our assurance, Lord, of the truth of your word, and to pass on that word to others that don't know you. Uh, we thank you for the encouragement that Jude gives us today and for the glory we have to look forward to, not because of anything we have done, but because we have trusted in Jesus, who has accomplished it all for us. We pray in his name. Amen.